please turn with me this evening to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6 and beginning to read from verse 9. Genesis 6 verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. We shall leave it uh, there. While we're continuing, friends, our studies in this uh, amazing and illuminating, enlightening book of Genesis, where would we be without Genesis? We would be so much in the dark about so many things. But uh, as we have also said, the doctrines you find in the New Testament, well, you can find it uh, in this book. And we've been mentioning them as we're going along. God is a God who judges because he is holy. That's in the New Testament, and it's also here in the, in the first book in the Bible. God is righteous. God hates sin. God must punish sin, and this is what we see uh, happening. He cannot turn a blind eye uh, to it. Many people, they, they struggle, especially with something as uh, catastrophic as the flood. How awful it is, yes. How terrible it is, yes, that in the, God wiped out Everyone except one man and his family. Well, if we look at it from man's point of view, we would be sympathetic. We would, we would sort of think, that seems a little bit unfair. Why is God uh, doing that? But actually, friends, it's not unfair when we look at it from God's point of view. We remember God can never do anything unjust. He can never do anything unfair. And from his point of view, Sin is so terrible, so awful, so provocative to him and his holiness and his justice. He must punish it. He cannot just turn a blind eye to it. For us, uh, we are so used to sin. We think lightly of sin, really, in comparison to how God thinks of it. And that's why maybe we sort of are willing to, we ourselves are willing to turn a blind eye. We ourselves are willing to be, uh, forget about uh, uh, those things that we see. But things are really bad. And uh, sin uh, uh, must be uh, dealt with, must be addressed, uh, and it's, God takes note 
of everyone, every sin, every infraction, and so must uh, punish it. And that's what we see happening here. Things got so bad with the flood. God, as we said last week, gave time. He, he was long-suffering. Year after year after year passed, and there was no repentance. People had the word. Noah, as we'll see, was a preacher at that time. And the word was going out. The call was going out. Come to the Lord. Repent of your sin. Turn to him. There's a, there's a judgment coming. But people were not doing that. People were just carrying on their lives. We read in, in I think it's Luke's gospel, the Lord refers uh, to these times and said, well, people were just buying and selling, marrying and, and giving in marriage, just getting on with their life and paying no attention to what God was saying and what God was going uh, to do. So uh, the judgment uh, came upon them. They, they had warning after warning, but they didn't uh, want to heed uh, the warning until it came. It's going to be the same, isn't it, for us? We, we, we thank God we are, we're given warning about the next judgment that is to come. Uh, we, the, the word has come to us. Uh, we have it in the scripture. It's going to happen. The next great judgment that's going to happen is the one where the world is going to be purged by fire. And now uh, we go out, we preach the gospel, we preach these things, we call on people to repent. But very few we see uh, taking heed. People as well here, isn't it the same? Just getting on with their lives. Some of them are maybe are not opposed to God as in a militant kind of way, but they're just ignoring God and just carry on. Thank you very much. You know the polite answer we often get. Thank you, but no thank you. You know, we just carry on uh, with, with our own uh, lives. Well, that's an affront to God. It's an affront to the Christ who has come uh, to make an atonement uh, for sin. And it's, it's an unbelieving attitude because people... Don't expect such a judgment to come, just as the people here uh, didn't expect uh, the, the flood uh, to come. So we're looking at this, and uh, my title is really very simple, uh, Noah and the Ark. Uh, we pick it up in verse 9 where we left off last week. These are the generations of Noah. That's uh, Moses' way of saying, well, I'm starting a new section now, and uh, my, my focus is now going to be on Noah and what happened to him and what happened uh, in his time. So uh, we read firstly about the character of Noah. Moses draws our attention to, to this, that Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked uh, with God. Well, that's, uh, that's so important, isn't it? Uh, a person's character is what God uh, looks at and what God takes uh, note of. Noah was a just man, that means he dealt in a, in a righteous way uh, in his uh, generation. He was an upright man, one who, who had moral principles, who had God's standards, and he held on to that. He lived his life by those principles uh, day after day after day, year after year. In an age when uh, God's moral standards were dispensed with, here was one man and his family who held on uh, to, uh, to those standards. He was righteous in uh, his uh, dealings uh, with, with people. People knew that he, in a sense, he could be trusted. They knew, even the unbelievers, I'm sure, knew that he was a fair man, a, a righteous man. He was the one who would do uh, what was the right thing to do. He, he dealt fairly and justly with all. He lived as a righteous man in the midst 
of unrighteousness. And perfect, uh, it says also. It doesn't mean to say that he was without sin. He also was a sinner, saved by grace. But it's got the idea of uh, entire. He wasn't just uh, uh, good or righteous in one particular point. But in every area of his life, uh, there, he was righteous. He was, there was no chink, we could say, uh, in his armor. He was one uh, whom no one could find any fault with. And uh, this is the kind of person Noah was. And how difficult it was to be that. No, no outside help, no outside influences, just Noah, as it were, walking with God, and yet so conscientious, so determined uh, to do what is right uh, before the Lord and in his dealings uh, with others. We read uh, even there that he was perfect in his generations. For how long? We have, <laughs> we have to serve the Lord for how long? Maybe if, uh, if God permit, 100 years, but usually they say 70, 80, 90 maybe. We don't know. Uh, but Noah, generation after generation, you know, he went on to live over 900 uh, years. And for, uh, for all those years, he walked with God and he lived uh, uprightly year after year after year and uh, without a complaint. And, and he is happy uh, to, the, to do that. Alongside this, of course, the New Testament tells us uh, that he was a preacher of righteousness. Well, that must have made him very unpopular to be, a, to be out. I can just see him, but perhaps he goes to the local high street. He finds a good spot from which he can perch. And there he, he, he preaches God's standards. He reminds the people of God's standards. He calls on them uh, to repent of their sin. He reminds them, or he warns them, rather, of the judgment that is to come, calling on them to repent. Week after week, maybe, he went with no success, with no converts ever, and yet still he went out uh, to preach. Was he demoralized? Did he get demoralized? I'm sure he did. <coughs> I'm sure he was a man like you and I, and sure at times he did get demoralized to see uh, no response and no one taking uh, heed uh, to, his, to his message, but he still uh, carried on uh, preaching. So it may be the same for us, friends. Uh, just like this man, Noah, uh, alone for a lot of the time. Uh, of course, he had Methuselah with him, as we, we saw uh, last week, uh, but uh, really called uh, to walk alone in so many ways. And it may be for us, too, that uh, we, in some circumstances, are called to walk alone. Uh, maybe it might be as we are the lone Christians in our workplace, or the only Christian in our family. And for some people, well, that's very hard uh, to bear. Uh, but uh, they, have to, they, keep, they keep strong, and they keep the faith uh, even there. It could apply it even on a church level, isn't it? As a church, we, we're not, we may, I'm not saying that we are... We, we have everything, we have a, we are, we're the only church which is right and true. But in, in the, we, we see so many churches in our area, every week, we, every time we go out to the uh, open air, I seem to meet somebody from a new church in, uh, in Woolwich, and a church I never heard of before. There seem to be so many. But uh, whereas there are so many churches here, how many churches are, are really uh, holding on to God's standards? How many churches 
we have to say, have allowed the world into, uh, into their worship and into uh, their witness. We may be just one of a few churches left, and we may have to stand uh, as, uh, in this way, stand apart from the ecumenical uh, movement because we want to hold on to that purity of worship and purity in uh, doctrine, which is so important. But then uh, let's move on. Verse 10, we read about Noah's uh, three sons, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Japheth is the eldest, uh, Ham is the youngest, and uh, the middle son is Shem. Why then is Shem named first? It's, well, because the godly line is going to go uh, through him. Uh, he's going he's to be the one, uh, his children, his descendants, are going to be the one through whom the Messiah will come. Uh, verse 11 to 13 uh, uh, tells us again about the causes for the flood. And we looked at this in detail uh, last week. And here the Lord is reiterating it. The earth was also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with uh, violence. Great was the, the wickedness of men, extensive. It wasn't just localized in one place. Everywhere you went, the people were wicked. Uh, the, uh, the people were, were violent. Violence uh, filled the earth. That which once was so good in God's eyes now has become corrupt. How far man has fallen from his first estate, from that first uh, creation in which he was made perfect. And now he's become violent and corrupt. Violence filled the earth. It was not a safe place to walk in. Maybe during, not only at night, maybe also during the day, it was not, not a safe place. Uh, everyone had to be perhaps on their guard. People were plotting, it seems, evil against uh, their neighbors. Uh, we see that in verse 5. Uh, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What a sad state uh, what a, what a, of their hearts. That they, they were thinking of evil things and from those evil things they came up with plans and those plans were to do harm, to do, to, to do evil uh, to, to others, to hurt others, perhaps to steal from others, perhaps to kill other people, somebody who had offended them and made them angry, to destroy people maybe for their land and their property, injustice, fraud, all these things were, are associated uh, even with this idea of violence uh, being, uh, the, the world being given over uh, to violence. But also, uh, friends, not only corrupt morally, but sadly in worship also. And again, like we saw last week, the sons of God, that godly line, intermarrying uh, with the ungodly, corrupting uh, that, uh, that line, corrupting the worship of God. And we spoke of it then as the church and the world uh, mixing uh, together, and pure religion was corrupted. All that God had designed for man, he has now departed from it. With this single exception, Noah and his family uh, stand out uh, and catch, as it were, the Lord's eye. Well, look at our next, uh, that verse in verse 13. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, 
I will destroy them with the earth. God reveals to Noah his intention. This is what's going to happen, Noah. I'm going to send a flood, and that's going to destroy, that's going to wipe out the whole earth because of its violence, because of its corruption. Not to destroy it completely, that wasn't God's intention. Not to destroy the earth entirely and remake the earth, but to cleanse it, to purify it from all those defilements that filled it and to bring about a new beginning, to usher in a new start after the flood. But Noah and his family are going to be preserved. Noah is not going to be destroyed. He's going to be kept safe by that simple act of entering into the ark. And friends, there's a lesson for us there. Uh, out of the world's population, the, uh, everyone was lost except for Noah and uh, his uh, family. But that's how it often is. That, or rather, we should say that's how it, it usually is. The majority are usually in the other camp. The majority in the world are usually in the unbelievers' camp. And you usually see that the minority is uh, the believers. A remnant is saved. A small number is saved. And uh, apart from perhaps in times of revival, where you may see many people coming through uh, to the Lord and whole towns or cities even uh, coming under a powerful influence of the Spirit and a great number coming to the Lord. But usually it's not like that. Usually we see, uh, especially nowadays, we see uh, things, uh, the, the Christian cause and the number of believers seems to be so small. But you shouldn't be taken by surprise at that. It's all, almost always uh, been uh, like that. We are not in an unusual uh, position. But God always has a remnant. He never leaves himself uh, without a witness. The end of all flesh, God said to Noah, is come uh, before me. Well, some, some, uh, some say that this word, uh, all, some say or rather that uh, this is a reference not to a global flood, but to a localized uh, flood. They say because that word all, all flesh is come before me, it doesn't, it doesn't mean all without exception. Uh, and that's true. It doesn't always mean all without exception. But uh, this, they say because that's the case, well then this flood wasn't a global one, but just a local one. That it happened in, in the regions of Mesopotamia and was confined to that area alone. It didn't spread everywhere. Well, what do we say to that? Well, there are a number of answers, and the context itself uh, gives us the answer that it really was a global flood. But uh, there are some other things we could say uh, to counter that argument. Uh, we could say, firstly, if it was a, a local flood, well, uh, and, and not something which spread everywhere, well, God could very easily have told Noah, go to such and such a place, which is a, a safe area, a safe spot. Uh, but he didn't do that. He told him instead uh, to build uh, the ark. Or we could think of the floods. We know that the, the flood waters were on the land for, for about a year, a good year. Well, if it was just a local flood, they would dissipate very quickly. But uh, 
a, a global flood, you'd, ex well, you'd expect it to last a lot longer. And then also we could say uh, when Noah and the family uh, emerged from the ark, then God, you remember God promised to never again send such a deluge upon the earth. And if it was just a local flood, then, then friends, we would be saying God has broken his promise because we see local flooding every week or it's such a common occurrence to hear about local flooding. But we've never seen, ever seen since this time a global flood. So it, it's, it's a, without doubt, we, we are sure, a global flood rather than uh, just a one confined to one particular area. But uh, we, we move on to the instructions that God gave to Moses, sorry, to Noah, uh, to build uh, this ark in verses 14 uh, to, to 16. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. An ark, well, that's not the usual word for a ship in the, in the Hebrew. The word actually um, means a box or a basket. It's uh, used uh, in Exodus. Uh, where Moses was put into that basket uh, when he was put on the river, and that's the only other time it's used. And and uh, unfortunately, if you if you're like me and you grew up with some Christian books or children's books, you see in, in those story books a, a kind of ship, Noah uh, Noah's ark being a kind of boat, and all the animals put sticking their heads out uh, of of the of the boat. But that gave it, that gives the wrong impression of the shape of the boat. The shape of the boat was nothing uh, like that. Uh, the shape of the boat was more like a, a rectangular and oblong kind of shape, probably more like a, a, a barge that we have uh, uh, today or a, or a cargo ship, more like a, a chest-shaped uh, kind uh, of uh, vehicle. So uh, not, nothing like what you see uh, in uh, the children's, uh, children's Bibles. But it was huge, friends. It was huge. Uh, the, the dimensions are given to us here uh, in verse uh, 15. Uh, 300 cubits in length, breadth 50 cubits, the height 30 cubits. Well, cubits <laughs> mean very little to us uh, today. Yeah, but according to those who have studied this, the, ex the experts, at a very minimum, they say, one cubit is equivalent to 17 and a half, 18 inches. So if we just take the very minimum uh, uh, length there, then it works out to be about 450 feet in length by 75 feet in breadth by 45 feet in height. So huge, a huge uh, structure, large enough uh, to hold all the animals and also all the food supply that they were going to need for a year. It was to have three stories, we read, and uh, also the ark was to have its compartments to separate uh, the animals, and also, no doubt, to help when the when the uh, the ark was being tossed to and fro, it would, it would help uh, to keep them all in place. But uh, it was, and it, verse sixteen tells us it was also to have a window in the ark. It may have been uh, just a single window, or uh, but it seems more likely um, to have been some kind of inlet or some kind of opening on the very uh, top of the ark so that uh, air and uh, light could come in. One would find it very difficult if it was just one small window and uh, nothing else in the ark. They would be in darkness apart from the fires that would uh, start uh, inside the ark. 
otherwise it'd be very dark and it would be very little air coming through. So it seems to be some sort of opening uh, on the very uh, top, near the very top of the ark. But uh, look at this, look at this verse 14. It was made of gopher wood and uh, we're not sure really, we're not certain what, what kind of wood that is. Again, many people think it's a cypress uh, kind of wood, which was known for being firm and uh, durable in substance. And then uh, it was to be pitched. Noah is told, pitch it, cover it, within and without with pitch, verse 14. And that's, that's a, a kind of bitumen, a kind of a tar, and the, that would help to make it watertight. And so we have very solid structure here. It's not something that's going to be very flimsy. And it needs to be very solid. It needs to be very sturdy. It needs to be watertight because of all that's going uh, to be thrown at it. It's going to take a real battering uh, when the storms come and the winds and the waves beat against it. Well, tsunami-like waves are going to beat against it, crash against it. It's going to float, yes, above the waters, but that doesn't mean to say it's going to have a nice, smooth sailing. Far from it. It's going to be tossed to and fro uh, in those waters and by those winds, pounded and pummeled uh, by them one after the other. And so it's got to be able to withstand uh, such uh, treatment. Well, friends, the reason I emphasize this is because this ark was a symbol of Christ. This is Christ. And just as that ark was pummeled and buffeted and pounded uh, by those waves and the storms, so our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, he was buffeted on behalf of his people. He was pummeled. He was the judgment of God, the judgment of God for sin that belonged to us, fell upon him. And he, he, he took it all for us. He bore it for us. Only he could endure it. Only such a person, the God-man, could endure such a, a, a weight of punishment uh, uh, being poured up, upon him. If it was one of us, we would have, we would have been broken up. That, ship, that earthly ship of ours would have been broken up. But it had to be uh, something that uh, someone who could withstand uh, such uh, treatment and bear the judgment of God. And Christ did that for his people. A wonderful savior that he is. He took it on their behalf. And so just as Noah and his family, when they went into that ark, they found safety in the ark. So all of us who are in Christ, we are safe from the judgment that is to come. How can we be escape the judgment that is to come? By being in Christ, by coming to faith in him. That's the only way, uh, friends. Well, verse 17 uh, goes on. Behold, I, even I, uh, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth. No doubt where it comes from. This is not going to be something just natural. Uh, not going to be something... That, uh, that nature has just uh, thrown up. No, friends, this is something that God has brought uh, about. The origin of the flood is from him. And all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall uh, die. That is, all the land animals, all the birds, as well as uh, the men and women, of course, uh, alive at the time. Not the fishes, we think they still 
uh, survived, but certainly all the land uh, animals. Verse 18, But with thee, Noah, will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wives, thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. A covenant. My, I will establish my covenant. Covenant is an agreement, a compact. Usually it's an agreement be between two sides. Uh, each side saying, I'll, I will do something, I, will, I, will, I, I promise to do something, and the other side saying uh, something similar. Well, uh, in this case, we have God making a covenant with Noah, but only it's only one-sided. Only God is, uh, is going to do something. And uh, God, is going, God here is pledging to preserve Noah and his family, to keep them safe. And all that they need to do is to come into the ark. This is the, the first time that the word covenant is mentioned uh, in the Bible. But of course, we had it uh, in, in Genesis uh, chapter th uh, 2 and 3, uh, although the word covenant there is not, exact, is not expressly mentioned, yet uh, it's there, uh, we can see it in the covenant of works. But here it's the first time it's mentioned. But uh, what must I do, friends? What must I do to be saved? Here it is, the simple answer. Uh, come into the ark. That's what Lord, uh, the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark. And we all need, need to come to Christ. Come and have faith in him. Come trust in him. Come repenting of your sins. That's all uh, we need to do. And we find uh, salvation, salvation and security, uh, eternal security uh, in him. Verses 19 to 21. Uh, now some work, some extra work. He's got to build that ark. And he's also got to uh, bring in these animals. Two of every sort shall thou bring into the ark to keep them alive. Two of every kind uh, to be preserved, male and female. Uh, the same kind of animals here are mentioned in verse 20, as are mentioned uh, in, in the creation account. The birds, the cattle, the creeping things, they're to be preserved alive for that new world. How are they going to come? How is Noah going to gather all these animals? Is he going to have to do a lot of hunting and setting traps to, to, to catch them all, to go after them. That's going to be a very tiring process, a long process. No, friends, God isn't here. Verse 20, look at it. Uh, Two of every sort, in the middle of that verse, shall come unto thee to keep them alive. The Lord is going to bring them to Adam once that ark is ready. Uh, just as he did with Adam. Do you remember Adam uh, had to name all the animals? And the Lord brought all the animals before him uh, to name him. He didn't have to go looking uh, for them. And the same, the same is here. Uh, so there's a work uh, here for Adam to do. Also, verse 21, to get, excuse me, to gather the food and to prepare it uh, for uh, for that time that, that they will be in the ark. Now, people who want to find fault with Scripture. Well, they laugh at this and they say, well, how can, how can the ark carry so many two animals or two of each species? Uh, and that's impossible. How can, how can they do that? However, 
we, we think that the Bible is, is uh, quite specific when it's referring to two of every sort. It's two of every kind, uh, not every species which is mentioned, but two of every animal, or two of every family. So family of dogs, or two of them, of cats, two of them, not every species. And in that way, well then, the animals uh, could quite easily have uh, fitted into the ark. Again, according to those who have done some, some work on this, that they've equated it to some 16,000 animals uh, would have gone into the ark, which is, uh, may seem like a large number, but actually it's not that many. Uh, and uh, they would quite easily have loaded into the space that was uh, there for them on the ark. So, verse 22, we finish with this. And we started off with Noah, and we finish uh, with Noah again. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. I just read to you that verse you're familiar with, I'm sure. Hebrews, from the, the, the hall of faith, Hebrews 11, verse 7. This is what it says about Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Noah was a believer in God. Noah believed what God said. Noah believed the warning. A devastating flood was coming. and He lived with that in mind. He knew, Noah believed, that the ark was going to be his place of safety and he made it according to God's uh, blueprint. Probably without any outside help uh, from others, just him and his family uh, working upon it. But because he believed in God's word, he kept at it. He didn't give up. He was a man of faith. The structure was going up. People were laughing at him. People were ridiculing him. You can just see it, isn't it, in your mind's eye. And most likely, he suffered one setback after another. No building work, I think, is easy. That you, but in such a time like that, well, perhaps people were, were stealing stuff uh, from him. Perhaps people were planning to, uh, to, to, to hurt him or to harm him or to harm uh, the work uh, in some way. And, but yet, he just kept on uh, at it. And uh, he, uh, he, he, he didn't give up in uh, building that ark until it was finished. And there was so much to do. So much for this, this man to do. Remember, he's not a young, young man, and yet he's still somewhat strong, one, one would expect. But it's his faith, friends, that kept him uh, going uh, all the time. And uh, as we said at the beginning, another worldwide judgment, catastrophe is coming. The next time we're told in Peter, the world's going to be purged by fire. What shall we do? What shall we do, friends? Believe it. Keep it in view and uh, do all that God commands us to do in the meantime. We're obedient to him. And in spite of the mocking and scorning that we may have to, to that comes our way, oh, Christianity is outdated. Christianity belongs in the museum. You don't need to believe all that stuff anymore. It's not worth it. It's not for today. No, friends, we say it is for today. We do believe in what God says rather than men say it. So may these words be of help to us uh, to follow Noah's example.